Hi friends, uh, today we're playing Planescape Torment, the Enhanced Edition, and um, there's, let's see, there's an opening movie that you have to like click through just to get to the title screen, and I'm going to play the movie real quick and uh, sort of describe what's going on and stuff, as though I, as though I hadn't seen the, the movie yet. Um, so this is the opening movie. All right, open up on uh, a stone room, like a dungeon maybe. There's some pipes at the corner. There's a big stone, it's like a medical slab being pushed by a zombie through a door that opened up. Zombies, very decrepit looking. This is very late 1990s. On the slab, there is uh, a human, and then we get a vision of like an obelisk Someone's looking up at an obelisk with sort of a moon in the sky. Cut back to the zombie moving the slab. Vision of uh, bookshelves full of skulls that all look towards the viewer. Uh, there's a woman surrounded by flames. Cut back to the slab in the medical facility. Oh, we see the woman. Now she's not surrounded in flames. So I, I presume that we're having the person on the slab is having all these memories. And he touches her cheek gently, and then she disappears! And then he's like looking around the house, and she's gone. Oh no, she's there, but she's a zombie! And she points at him accusingly. And there's someone who drowns. And there's demons. And he looks in the mirror, and he's normal. But then he like gets turned into a zombie and shouts in pain. And then there's a ghost lady? I guess she's a ghost. She's some sort of ghostly specter, transparent type thing. And then the zombie has finished pushing the slab and wanders off, but then the person on the slab twitches and moves. Alright, well, that was cool. <laughs> Let's see, I've played this game before. I'm not gonna, not gonna try and pretend I haven't. Um, I'm a big fan of this game. We're gonna do New Life. This is a D&D style game. Uh, <laughs> this is the least D&D-esque of the Infinity Engine games, which is like the game engine that, that runs this. Uh, so, you don't roll for stats in this. Instead, uh, let me hit my music. Um, you don't roll for stats in this. You play as the Nameless One, who starts with a 9 in every stat, and I have 21 character points to assign. I will get more points to assign at level up. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, maximum Wisdom. Charisma is 13. So this is, this is a game where there's a lot of conversation dialogues and stuff, and you have stat checks in the dialogue so you want to have uh you generally want to have better mental stats than um physical stats we'll do wisdom 18 which is the maximum you can start as charisma 13 which i think covers and you, your stats can go up later so charisma 13 covers a lot of the stuff that you'd need near the beginning int 15 is also good there's more Wisdom and Int uh, checks than Charisma checks. And then we have two points left over. We're going to put them in Constitution, Strength 9, Dex 9, 
is fine. Um, this is not a game that is combat heavy. There is combat, but it borderline doesn't matter. Okay. Our character is on the slab. They stand up. And then a, hey, a skull chief. floats over. You okay? You playing corpse or you putting the blinds on the dusties? <laughs> I thought you were a debtor for sure. Uh, who, who are you? Oh, uh, who am I? How about you start? Who are you? Um, and now I have some options. I'm not always going to read all the options because, uh, that there's often a lot of options. Um, but... Uh, sometimes if there's a funny option that I don't pick or something, then I'll read that. So Mort says, uh, who am I? How about you start? Who are you? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. You can't remember your name? <laughs> well, next time you spend a night in this burg, go easy on the bub. Name's Mort. I'm trapped in here too. Trapped? Yeah, since you haven't had time to get your legs yet, here's the chant. I've tried all the doors, and this room is locked tighter than a chastity belt. We're locked in... Where? What is this place? It's called the Mortuary. It's a big black structure with all the architectural charm of a pregnant spider. The Mortuary? What, am I dead? Not from where I'm standing. You got scars aplenty, though. Looks like some Burke painted you with a knife. All the more reason to give this place a laugh before whoever carved you up comes back to finish the job. Scars? How bad are they? Well, the carvings in your chest aren't too bad, but the ones in your back... Mort pauses. Say, it looks like you got a whole tattoo gallery on your back, Chief. It spells out something. Tattoos on my back? What do they say? Hey, it looks like you come with directions. Mort clears his throat. Let's see, it starts with... I know you feel like you've been drinking a few kegs of Styx wash, but you need to center yourself. Among your possessions is a journal that'll shed some light on the dark of the matter. Farog can fill you in on the rest of the chant, if he's not in the dead book already. Farod. Does it say anything else? Yeah, there's a bit more. Mort pauses. Oh, let's see. Uh, it goes on. Don't lose the journal or we'll be up the sticks again. And whatever you do, do not tell anyone who you are or what happens to you or they'll put you on a quick pilgrimage for the crematorium. Do what I tell you. Read the journal, then find Farod. Oh, no wonder my back hurts. There's a damn novel written there. As for that journal I'm supposed to have with me, was there one on me when I was lying here? No, you were stripped of the skins when you arrived here. Besides, looks like you got enough of a journal penned on your body. Uh, what about Farod? Do you know him? Nobody I know. But then again, I don't know many people. Still, some Burks got to know where to find Farod. Uh, once you get out of here, that is. How do we get out of here? Well, all the doors are locked, so we'll need the key. Chances are, one of the walking corpses in this room has it. Walking corpses? Yeah, the mortuary keepers use dead bodies as cheap labor. The corpses are dumb as stones, but they're harmless and won't attack unless you attack first. Is there some other way? I don't want to kill them just for a key. What do you think is going to hurt their feelings? They're dead. But if you want a bright side to this, if you kill them, at least they have a rest before their keepers raise them up to work again. Well, all right. I'll take one of them down and get the key. Now, before you do that, arm yourself first. I think there's a scalpel on one of the shelves around here. Note, search the shelves in the room for a weapon to attack the zombies with. When you find one, go to the inventory screen, the backpack button, and arm yourself. If you wish to examine any items you find, right-click on them in the inventory screen. Alright, I'll look for one. One last thing. 
These corpses are as slow as molasses, but getting punched by one of them is like being kissed by a battering ram. If they start getting an edge on you, remember you can run, and they can't. Use it to keep some distance if you need to recover. Alright, thanks for the advice. Alright, so we have... Uh, Nameless One. It's 24 out of 24 hit points. And we have Mort, who's also at 24 out of 24 hit points. Uh, let's see. So the arrow keys let me move the camera if I need to. I can also put the mouse near the edge of the screen to move the camera. Uh, we have that backpack item, uh, as mentioned. Let's see. Ah, here we go. Inventory screen. So our inventory is completely empty. Uh, Mort has a Mort's bite weapon that he can attack with, and I have a fist that I can attack with. Uh, if I, uh, so you can drag select your character right. and then you're, you sort of move as a squad. Kind of like a tactical game. Um, let's see, so there's that. We got some bandages. Let's see, oh yeah, yeah, you hold tab and it will show... Um, it will show all the different like highlights and details. This device looks like some sort of sewing machine. Arms with hooks, tubes, metallic thread hanging from it. Ooh, this is a nasty bed we got up of slab. Let's see, oh, we found a scalpel in the uh, thing. Let's equip that. Uh, the scalpel is one to three piercing damage, proficiency edged, not usable by priests. Not that we are a priest. Alright, you found the scalpel. Now, let's go get those corpses. And don't worry, I'll stay back and provide valuable tactical advice. Maybe you could help me, Mort? I will be helping you. Good advice is hard to come by. I meant in attacking the corpse. Me? I'm a romantic, not a soldier. I just get in the way. Alright, then. Time to, introduce, time to introduce these corpses to the second death, then. Let's go. So I could have been mean to Mort right there, but I am not interested in being mean to Mort because Mort is a sweetie All pie. Right. Um, and here's here's the best part about the zombies. Uh, in this in this game, as sort of an indicator of how the game is going to want you to play the game later, when you click on a zombie, it actually like by default these zombies are not hostile. So when you click on a zombie, it goes to a dialogue instead. Zombie worker. The shambling corpse looks like it has been dead for several years. The skin along its forehead has peeled back, revealing its chalk-white skull. Someone has chiseled the number 569 into the exposed bone. And now I can talk to it. Uh, I'm looking for a key. Do you happen to have one? Uh, Chief, they can't hear you, alright? They're dead. But you're dead, and you're talking to me. But I'm special. Death couldn't kill my zest for life. These corpses here... Mort rolls his eyes. Uh, they probably don't have much personality to begin with. I, uh, see. Look, Chief, watching you trying to swap the chant with these corpses isn't doing much for my morale. Let's give the corpse talk to these Burmese, alright? Alright then, let's go. So I can talk to him again. I can examine the corpse to see if it's carrying a key. The corpse doesn't appear to be carrying a key, and it doesn't look like it should be able to use- it would be able to use one if it did. Its fingers are broken, as if someone smashed them with a hammer. You do happen to notice its left shoulder is heavily bandaged. The bandages might be usable if the corpse was disposed of first. Let's see. All right, I'm going to leave the corpse in peace. There's another corpse over here. Oh, there's two more walking corpses. Let's go to the middle walking corpse. This corpse's head lolls back and forth on its shoulders. Judging from the angle of the neck, it looks like this man may have been hanged. The number 825 has been painted on the side of his head. 
Well, let's see. Examine the corpse. This corpse is carrying nothing, but you happen to notice its hands are heavily bandaged. The bandages might be usable if the corpse was disposed of first. Well, again, we don't need more bandages, so we're going to talk to the third zombie worker. This corpse stops and stares blankly as you approach. The number 782 is carved on its forehead, and his lips have been stitched closed. The faint smell of formaldehyde emanates from his body. Let's examine the corpse. This corpse looks like the one with a key. It is holding it tightly in its left hand, its thumb and forefinger locked around it in a death grip. It looks like you'll need to hack the corpse's hand off to free the key. I need that key, corpse. Looks like you're not long for this world. And then that starts the fight. Um, and down goes the corpse. We got the preparation room key. Um, uh, let's see. There's another, just looking around. There's another table that we didn't look inside yet. Okay. Alright. Preparation room key, uh, done. Psst. Some advice, chief. I'd keep it quiet from here on. No need to put any more corpses in the dead book than necessary. Especially the femmes. Plus, killing them might draw the caretakers here. I don't think you... Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to read all these. I was, I was, I started to read all these, and then I thought that this is going to take a billion years if I read all the options every time. So let's pick option three. Why do you care about the female corpses? Uh, what, are you serious? Look, Chief, these dead shits are the last chance for a couple of hardy bashers like us. We need to be chivalrous. No hacking them up for keys or lopping their limbs off, things like that. Last chance? What are you talking about? Chief, they're dead. We're dead. See where I'm going? Eh? Eh? You can't be serious. Chief, we already got an opening line with these limping ladies. We've all died at least once. We'll have something to talk about. They'll appreciate men with our kind of death experience. Wait, didn't you say before that I'm not dead? Well, alright, you might not be dead, but I am. And from where I'm standing, I wouldn't mind sharing a coffin with some of these fine, sinewy cadavers I see here. Mort starts clacking his teeth, as if in anticipation. Of course, the caretakers would have to part with them first, and that's not likely. Who are these caretakers again? Oh, they call them the dustmen. You can't miss them. They have an obsession with black and rigor mortis in the face. They're an addled bunch of ghoulish death worshippers. They believe everybody should die, sooner rather than later. I'm confused. Why do these dustmen care if I escape? Weren't you listening? I said that dusties believe everybody's got to die. Sooner better than later. You think the corpses you've seen are happier in the dead book than out of it? Uh... The corpses I've seen here... Where did they all come from? Oh, death visits the plains every day, chief. These shambles are all that's left of the, prior, the poor sods who sold their bodies to the caretakers after death. Alright, I'll try to remember that. Look, Chief, it's obvious you're still a little addled about your kiss with death, so I got two bits of advice for you. One, if you got questions, ask me, alright? Uh, alright, if I have any questions, I'll ask you. Second, you're half as forgetful as you seem to be. Start writing... If you're half as forgetful as you seem to be, start writing stuff down. Whenever you come across something that might be important, jot it down so you don't forget it. If I had that journal I was supposed to have with me, I'd do that. Start a new one then, Chief. No loss. There's plenty of parchment and ink around here to last you. Hmm. Alright. Couldn't hurt. I'll make a new one then. 
Use it to keep track of your movements. If you ever start to get cloudy on important things, like who you are, and more importantly, who I am, use it to refresh your memory. All right, Updated I got it. Updated my journal. Updated my journal, friends. I hope that you're excited that we have updated our journal for the first time because uh, this character has approximately one character bark and um, that's it. Updated my journal is all the Nameless One ever says. Other characters occasionally have stuff to say. Um, let's see... Oh. So, um, I'm occasionally jumping back and forth between having the, uh, um, this, the game open and then, like, the guide open. Because I do not play Infinity Engine games without guides. I don't have the billion years that would take. I'm not interested in that sort of a thing. Um... Like, I play D&D, like, tabletop proper D&D, and so, um, I like to, I like to talk to the person that I'm, I'm, I'm playing the game with, and that I'm, I'm confused by, and so forth, um, and so when I can't do that in an Infinity Engine game, uh, I do the next best thing and I just have a look around at the guide and, and then I, I play the um the roller coaster that they want me to see but uh you know I'm not gonna fiddle around trying to solve their dumb puzzles when I can't even talk to them um because D&D is a game about talking to people so we go to the next room uh, let's see. So, north. The room we started in, and then this... It, we're inside sort of a tower. So, clockwise, one room, we, uh, go... Everything's pretty empty. Into the We go clockwise into the next room. We see a bunch of zombie workers everywhere. And there's a guy, says his name is Dahl, on the tooltip. Uh, and he's in front of a giant book. And nearby, there's some boxes. Inside the boxes, we got... Um, ooh, we got an item that is... Fist Irons. It seems to be a 2 to 4 crushing. I'm guessing that's 1d3 plus 1. And the scalpel is 1d3. So we're going to use the Fist Irons. And then this Receiving Room Logbook. Um, it has a bunch of information... Let's see. Receiving your own logbook. Wait, two. This huge logbook lists mortuary procedures and a tight crypt, crabbed script. All shells entering the mortuary are to be delivered to the receiving room and logged with a scribe on duty before being embalmed or creamed, cremated. I guess that's us. Er, that's Doll. Doll is the scribe on duty. The records are to be checked to determine if the shell is one of the contracted, and if so, do not prepare the shell. Move the shell to one of the preparation rooms. Contact the scribe on duty and notify him that a contracted shell is to be raised. Hmm. Okay, so not everybody that comes in through the receiving room gets turned into a zombie. Just contracted people. 
Be certain that a shell is thoroughly stripped of its possessions before being sent to the preparation rooms. The contracted workers are intended for simple manual labor and do not have the capacity to search and strip a shell. The faction is not responsible for any possessions lost or items stolen by the collectors who have brought the shells to the mortuary. The shell's possessions are to be stored in the receiving room until an initiate can be sent to claim them. Please catalog all possessions in the logbook. Following this list of thousands of entries in the book bodies that have been sent to the receiving room, as you flip through the rest of the book, however, you notice that the last page has been cut out. Okay, so we're not in the receiving room, I guess, because we, there would be more possessions around if we were. Well, we'll talk to Doll. His scribe looks very old. His skin is wrinkled, and he has slight trace of yellow, like old parchment. Charcoal gray eyes lie within an angular face, and a large white beard flows down from the front of his robes like a waterfall. His breathing is ragged and irregular, but even his occasional coughing does not slow the scratching of his quill pen. Greetings. Whoa, Chief, what are you doing? I was going to speak to this scribe. He might know something about how I got here. Look, rattling your bone box with Dusty could be the last thing. Before Mort can finish his rant, the scribe begins coughing violently. After a moment or two, the coughing spell dies down, and the scribe's breathing resumes its ragged wheeze. And we especially shouldn't be swapping the chant with sick Dusties. Come on, let's leave. The quicker we get out of this place, the... Oh, the quicker we give this place the laugh, the bet. Before Mort can finish the scribe's gray eyes flicker over to you. The weight of years hangs heavy upon me, restless one. He places down the quill. But I do not count deafness among my ailments. The restless one, do you know me? Know you? I... There is a trace of bitterness in the scribe's voice as he speaks. I have never known you, restless one. No more than you have known yourself. For you have forgotten, have you not? Who are you? As always, the question, and the wrong question, as always. He bows slightly, but the movement suddenly sends him into a bout of coughing. I... I am dull. Perhaps you can answer some questions Updated for me, Dull. my journal. Very well. What did you wish to know? Well, I know... Uh, there's a bunch of options. Some of these I already know, but I feel like maybe I should ask Doll for Doll's perspective. So I'm going to say, what is this place? You're in the mortuary, restless one. Again, you have come. Before he can finish, Doll breaks into a fit of coughing. After a moment, he calms himself and his breathing resumes its ragged wheeze. This is the waiting room for those about to depart the shadow of this life. Tell me about the mortuary. This is where the dead are brought to be interred or cremated. It is our responsibility as dustmen to care for the dead, those who have left this shadow of life and walk the path to true death. Doll's voice drops in concern. Your wounds must have extracted a heavy toll if you do not recognize this place. It is almost your home. A shadow of life? Yes, a shadow. You see, restless one, this life... It is not real. Your life, my life, they are shadows, flickerings of what life once was. This life is where we end up after we die, and here we remain, trapped, caged, until we can achieve the true death. True death? True death is non-existence, a state devoid of reason, of sensation, of passion. Doll coughs and then gives a ragged breath. A state of purity. Sounds like oblivion. 
Why would anyone want that? Is it worse than remaining in this shadow of what life once was? I think not. I see. I had some other questions. How did I get here? Dahl snorts in contempt, as if he finds the memory repugnant. Your moldy chariot ferried you to the mortuary, restless one. You would think that you were royalty based on the number of loyal subjects that lay stinking and festering upon the cart that carried you. I arrived here on a cart? Yes, your body was somewhere in the middle of the heap, sharing its fluids with the rest of the mountain of corpses. Dahl breaks into another violent fit of coughing, finally catching his breath minutes later. Your seneschal, Farod, was, as always, pleased to accept a few moldy coppers to dump the lot of you at the mortuary gate. Who is this Farod? He is a collector of the dead. Dahl draws a ragged breath, then continues. We have such people in our city that scavenge the bodies of those that have walked the path of the true death and bring them to us so that they may be interred properly. Where can I find this Farod? If events persist as they have, Restless One, you have a much greater chance of Pharaoh finding you and bringing you to us again before you find whatever ooze puddle he wallows in this time. Nevertheless, I must find him. A slight warning creeps into Dahl's tone. Do not seek out Pharaoh, Restless One. I am certain that it will simply come full circle again, with you none the wiser and Pharaoh a few coppers richer. Accept death, Restless One. Do not perpetuate your circle of misery. I have to find him. Updated Do you know where he channel. is? Dahl is silent for a moment. When he finally speaks, he seems to do so reluctantly. I do not know under which gutterstone Farod lairs at the moment, but I imagine that he can be found somewhere beyond the mortuary gates, in the hive. Perhaps someone there will know where you can find him. It doesn't sound like you like Farod much. There are some I respect, restless one. Dahl takes a ragged breath and steadies himself. Farod is not one of them. He wears his ill repute like a badge of honor and takes liberties with the possessions of the dead. He is a knight of the post, cross-trading filth of the lowest sort. Knight of the post? A knight of the post! Dahl coughs. A thief! All Farod brings to our walls come stripped of a little less of their dignity than they possessed than their, in their life. And Farod takes whatever he may pry from their stiffening fingers. Did this Farod take anything from me? Dahl pauses, considering. Most likely. Are you missing anything? Especially anything of value? His voice drip, dips as he frowns. Note, not that Farod would take exception to anything that wasn't physically grafted to your body, and sometimes even that's not enough to give him greedy, to give his greedy mind pause. I am missing my journal. A journal? If it was any value, then it is likely it lies in Farod's hands. I see, I have other questions. Can you tell me how to get out of here? Hmm, the front gate is the most obvious exit, but they will not let anyone other than dustmen pass. Dahl breaks into a ragged cough, and then continues. One of the guides by the front gate has a key to it, but it is unlikely he will open it for you unless you are extremely persuasive. Hmm, I, I see, I had some other questions. What do you do here? I am a scribe, a cataloger of all the shells that come to the mortuary. Dahl coughs again, then takes a deep breath. As long as the stream of corpses flows through the mortuary, I shall remain at my post. You say that I've been here more than once. How is it that the dustmen do not Updated recognize my me? my journal. 
I am the one that catalogs the shells that come to our halls, restless one. Dahl breaks into a fit of coughing, then steadies himself. Only I see the faces of those that lie upon our slabs. The dark of your existence lies. Stay with me. Uh, I had some other questions. Uh, you sound ill. Are you not well? I am close now to the true death, restless one. It will not be long before I pass beyond the eternal boundary and face the peace I have been seeking. I tire of this mortal sphere. Dahl gives a ragged sigh. The plains hold no more wonders for one such as I. Uh, the eternal boundary? The boundary between the this the boundary between the shadow of this life and the true death. Hmm. Let's see. I had some other questions. Uh, nothing. Farewell, doll. As you turn to leave, doll speaks. Know this. I do not envy you, restless one. To be reborn as you would be a curse that I could not bear. You must come to terms with it. At some point, your path will return you here. Dull coughs, the sound rattling in his throat. It is the way of all things flesh and bone. Then perhaps we will meet again, Dull. Oh, man. I'm just thinking, what if Christopher Judge voiced... Uh, what if what if we had a, a remake with full dialogue and Christopher Judge voiced the nameless one? That'd be pretty cool, right? I think it'd be pretty cool. Christopher Judge does... Um, he does Teal'c from Stargate. I think he does uh, Kratos? He does some video game character. I'm pretty sure it's Kratos. Um, but mostly, I know him as Teal'c from Stargate. Alright, so if we go... We keep going clockwise. There's a room with um, one slab in it. And one zombie. Um, just checking some little... Ooh, we got some bandages. There's a whole bunch of little desks, and the desks are like treasure chests or whatever. Like, you can look inside their contents. So we're just having a look at everything around here. All right. All right. I think we are good. Let's see. Um... Do, 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 do. Oh. Okay, so I'm looking on the little guide. If we go back to the room with Doll, then uh, there's some zombies we can check out, and one of them has an interesting little piece of paper on them. They have the... Remember that journal that had a page torn out? Yeah. Uh... Let's see, this zombie worker, this corpse is shuffling from slab to slab, bandaging the corpses lying there. The number 396 is carved into his left temple, and his lips are stitched closed. You notice the corpse is carrying a roll of bandages in his hand. The bandages look usable. Mind if I borrow those bandages? The corpse continues to stare at you. Uh, I'm going to leave that corpse alone. The number 1201 has been inked into the forehead of this corpse, and the ink has run down its eyes, cheeks, and jaw. As you follow the ink tears down the corpse's face, you notice it has run into the stitching, sealing the corpse's lips, and it's caught on what looks like the corner of a note stuck in the corpse's mouth. Ooh, let's try and pull that note out. The note has mingled with the ichor in the zombie's mouth. If you tried to pull the paper out through the cross stitches, it would tear the paper to shreds. 
Packing up the corpse to get at it looks like it will destroy the note. You'll need to find a delicate way to remove the stitches before removing the note. Ah, we can use the scalpel to cut through the stitches. Uh, gained an item and gained some experience. He deftly slides through the stitches, sealing the corpse's mouth, and the jaw sags open. You carefully pull the note from the corpse's mouth. Despite the condition of the paper, the writing on it still appears legible. Um, well, let's check the inventory. Note from Corpse 1201. This is a foul-smelling note retrieved from the mouth of one of the mortuary zombies. It looks like it was sewn into the corpse's mouth by accident. Despite its condition, the writing is illegible. Please, to whatever dustman reads this, I beg of you. I know my legal obligation under the terms of the dead contract, but I am prepared to offer more than my signing fee if you will cremate my body rather than raising it. I have arranged for this note to be left with my body upon my death. If you are reading this, then please use the note as instructed and accept the results in exchange for my contracted duty. Let my contract number serve as the key. It looks like the corpse is too late to prevent the raising. But you notice that beneath the writing is a diagram. It looks like directions are folding the parchment into a strange pattern. So in addition to just being able to hit done, like with the journal before, I can use this note. Foul-smelling note has a strange-looking dia- So this sends me out of the inventory screen, back to sort of the, the world dialogue screen. Um, the foul-smelling note has a strange-looking diagram inscribed beneath the writing. It looks as if it's instructing you to fold the corners of the note so that their points touch the center. There's a series of strange marks in each corner. One mark in the upper right, two marks in the lower right, three marks in the upper left, and no marks in the upper left. Uh, so we want to do the upper right, and then we want to do the lower right, and then we want to do the upper left and upper right. Uh, there we go, and then we can, let's see, as you fold the upper right corner back to the center, the lower left corner mirrors the action until all the corners touch in the center. You watch for a moment, and the corners of the paper rise up turning the note into a small four-sided paper pyramid. Ooh, open the pyramid. You peel back the sides of the pyramid and the paper disintegrates into dust. Inside a small triangle is a small triangle-shaped earring. It catches the light and gleams brightly. Ooh, take that earring. Rule of threes earring. Uh, you receive this small earring from folding a note in the mouth of one of the walking corpses in the mortuary. It's a beautiful earring, but despite its beauty, all it seems to do is remind you how strange the world you've woken up in is. The earring carries a minor blessing from one of the gods of wealth on some backwater prime world. When held in the hand and the word copper is whispered, it gives the wearer 33 copper commons. This blessing can be used three times before the enchantment is exhausted. Well, let's use it, and then use it, and then use it, and it's gone. But we have attained uh, 99 coppers, which is cool. Oh. It... Mort doesn't have any equipment slots, but Nameless One has some equipment slots that are empty and also an eyeball. Don't want to part with that. Eyes cannot be removed, only switched. Okay, so... So we can use some eyes later. That's cool. Um, let's see. Uh, let's talk to this zombie. He's got this huge corpse is standing silently in the corner of the room, facing the wall. 
He looks to have been a heavy-set man in his early years, and judging by the condition of the body, he died only recently. The freshly stitched number on his forehead reads 1664. This corpse looks like it is serving as a librarian, for it is carrying a huge stack of books in its arms. Let's examine those books. The books appear to be old mortuary ledgers, none of them of any particular interest. As you search through the text, however, you notice a loose page folded in between two of the books. You are suddenly struck with the feeling that someone tucked it there to hide it. Ooh, take that page. The page doesn't look like it belongs to the ledgers. It looks like it belongs in a logbook. The tear is clean, as if with a knife, so you suspect the page was removed on purpose. Let's definitely read through it. You take a moment to read through the page. It's a list of dead bodies brought through the mortuary and logged in the receiving room. All the entries appear to be recent entries. Hmm. Take the page with you and leave. So we have another page. Okay. Um, let's proceed to the next room. Um, we, oh, there's a, there's a duster in this room. There's also a zombie. Let's see. It's, this heavily stitched corpse is shuffling lazily back and forth between two slabs. The number 506 has been stitched in his forehead and the side of its neck and its right arm. In fact, the skin of this peeling corpse has been sewn up with so many stitches, its skin looks like a bizarre street map. Let's examine those stitches. The stitches encircle the corpse, running from its arms, across the chest, up its neck, and into the damp mass of white hair. As you follow the crossroads of stitches, you notice someone has jammed a needle into the corpse's forehead. The needle is attached to a thread stitching up the side of the skull. You could probably unravel it if you had something to cut the thread. Well, we're gonna cut those stitches. You slice the thread neatly with the scalpel, then pluck out the needle and pull the stitches out. As you do, the skin covering the forehead peels back to reveal the corpse's chalk-white skull, where, to your surprise, the number 78 has been chiseled. Seems you got two different designations there, corpse. The corpse stares straight ahead, oblivious. Well... Let's talk to this dustman lady. Her name is Eivin. Uh, E-I-V-E-N-E. Eivene. You see a slight young woman with pale features. The sunken flesh around her cheeks and neck makes her appear as if she is starving. She seems intent on dissecting the corpse in front of her, prodding the chest with a finger. Uh, greetings? The woman does not respond. She seems too intent on the body in front of her. As you watch her work, you suddenly notice her hands. Her fingers are talons. They are darting in and out of the corpse's chest cavity like knives, removing organs. Um, let's see. I said greetings. I don't. She's got talon hands. The woman makes no response. I think that Dusty Chip might be a bit short of hearing, Chief. Let's lay off, shall we? Uh, what's wrong with her hands? My journal. Eh, she's a tiefling, Chief. They got fiend blood in their veins. Usually gives them some, an cause some ancestor there shared knickers with one demon or another. Makes some of them addled in the head. And addled looking, too. Uh, let's tap the woman to get her attention. The woman jumps and whips around to face you. Her eyes are a rotting yellow, with small orange dots for pupils. As she sees you, her expression changes from surprise to irritation, and she frowns at you. Uh, greetings? She doesn't seem to have heard you. She leans forward, squinting, as if she can't quite make you out. Whatever is wrong with her eyes must make her terribly nearsighted. You! She clacks her taloned fingers together, then makes a strange motion with her hands. 
find thread and embalming juice. Bring here to Evine. Go, go, go. Uh, Updated my journal. Well, now we need to find some thread and embalming fluid. Let's check these. Uh, you know, I thought I might have checked all these little spots before. Uh, yeah, I checked all these before. Let's go through to the next room. So keep going clockwise. Uh, this room has a zombie worker in it, but there's no uh, chests or desks or anything to check. Ah, here we go. Here's another room with stuff. Let's check. Ooh, jar of embalming fluid. And we got a needle and thread. All right. Go back to Evine. Evene? Evene. E-I-V-E-N-E. Evene. You see Evene. She is still dissecting the corpse's chest with her talons. The rhythm of the talons reminds you of something, but you can't quite recall what. Watch her. Study the motion Updated of her hands. My journal. As you study the motion of Avine's hands, you feel a prickling along your scalp, and then suddenly you find your vision swimming, blurring, until you are standing in front of a freshly slain corpse, rigor mortis making a mockery of its smile. The number 42 has been stitched into its scalp. The zombie is lying on a slab, and you've just finished stitching up its chest. You have placed something inside, something that may prove useful if you come this way again. Echo, keep these safe and wait for my return. The memory of your voice is an echo, strange and hollow to your ears. You cross your arms in front of your chest, and to your surprise, the corpse does too. After a moment, its hands fall back to its sides, and as it does, the vision fades, until you are watching Avene's hands make their stitching motions once more. Note, you have regained a memory. Memories can give you additional experience points, skills, and may even lead you to gaining something else of value later on. Alright, so I'm going to tap on her shoulder, get her attention. She turns, sees you, and frowns. Dumb zombies. She clacks her taloned fingers together imp impatiently, then makes a stitching motion with her fingers. Find thread and embalming fluid. Bring here to Avine. Go, go, go. Give her the thread Updated and embalming fluid. Journal. Without missing a beat, Avine snaps, her, uh, snaps the thread from your hands and hooks it around one of her talons, then begins sewing up the corpse's chest. She then takes the embalming fluid and begins to apply a layer to the corpse. I can wait or leave. I'm going to wait. Within minutes, she is finished. She clicks her talons, then turns to face you. To your surprise, she extends her hands and drags her talons along your arms and chest. Uh, keep playing zombie. Looks like you have a new friend, chief. You two need some time together, or... I'm going to keep playing zombie. As she traces your arms and chest, you suddenly notice she seems to be examining your scars. She withdraws her talons, clicks them twice, then bends forward and examines some of the tattoos in your chest. <laughs> Who write on you? Hivers do that? No respect for zombies. Zombies, not paintings. She, sni she sniffs, then pokes one of your scars. This one, bad shape. Many scars, no pre-surfs. Wait. Her talons suddenly hook onto the thread that you brought her, and lightning-like, she jabs another talon into the skin near one of your scars. It feels barely more than a pinprick, but it looks like she's about to start stitching you up. Uh, let Updated her work. My journal. 
The sensation is curiously painless as Avine begins to stitch up your ears. When she's done, she sniffs you, frowns, then stabs her fingers into the embalming fluid. Within minutes, she has dabbed your body with the fluid. And strangely enough, it makes you feel better. Let her work. This may be the second time in my life I'm thankful I don't have a nose. Avine puts the last touches on your body, digs you another sniff, gives you another sniff, nods, and then makes a shooing motion with her talents. Done. Go, go. Leave. So we got plus one max HP out of that. Now we're at 25 out of 25. That's pretty cool. Uh... Let's see. Oh, we can get a club if we talk to zombie 985. The corpse 985 has stopped dead in its tracks. Judging from the condition of its left leg, it looks as if some sort of tomb rod or corpse mold has eaten through its knee. The corpse is wobbling unsteadily back and forth, trying to keep its balance. Try and help the corpse balance. You reach out for the corpse's left arm to help steady it. As you grab its arm, however, the corpse suddenly sways to the right, and you end up tugging the corpse rather than steadying it. Oh no! Uh, Chief, you might not... There is a crack from the corpse's left leg, and the body falls like a dead tree. The torso strikes the, the stone flagstones and shatters like a rotten melon, filth and ichor gurgling from the cavity. To your surprise, no one seems to have noticed the corpse's collapse. And even stranger, the left leg remains standing where the body was, as if at attention. After a moment, the leg falls over with a wet thump. As you gaze upon the putrefied remains of the corpse, you notice that its left arm seems intact. It has snapped from the torso during the fall, and it doesn't appear to have been touched by the tomb rot that spread through the rest of the body. Hmm. Character says, hmm, I wonder if I could use that arm. Let's see. Left arm of 985. One to six crushing damage. Uh, yeah, I guess we got our first basic club. It's got a gurgly, wet sound. Um, the only downside to uh, having a nine in strength is that your carrying capacity is like 50 pounds. Um, so we're already at 6 out of 50 pounds. However, since you don't carry armor in this game, uh, it's pretty much fine. And, like, yeah, your other party, like, Mort can carry 90 pounds and stuff. Okay. Hmm... Hmm, the zombie in this room. Let's talk to them. The shambling corpse gazes at you with vacant eyes. The number 821 is carved into its forehead, and its lips have been stitched closed. A faint smell of formaldehyde emanates from its body. So, seeing anything interesting going on? As you address the zombie, it blinks in surprise. Eh, hey, what? You're not a zombie! Updated my Who channel. are you? The zombie is trying to respond behind stitched lips. He has a peculiar half-frightened, half-angry expression. Who you? Who you want? Uh, I'm looking for a way out of here. Can you help me? The zombie doesn't seem to have heard you. He looks up and down for a few moments and frowns. What do you do here? His eyes narrow suspiciously. Why are you scientists? No, I'm trying to escape. 
The zombie seems interested. You in trouble? What do you do? Uh, I got trapped in here somehow. Can you help me out? He's silent for a moment, then nods slightly, as if in understanding. What the hell here? Um, because, let's see. Because I won't expose your little disguise if you help me. He looks you up and down as if wondering if he can take you, stares at your scars, and then decides against it. Huh, you can't see through the horse. Portals? Portals? The zombie waves around the area. Portals here. Can you show me one of these portals? The zombie nods. You want out? Go to the arch and the horse floor. No, it's the rest of you. You need finger bone. Shape a crook. He holds up his index finger and bends it into a crook. When you have key, go to the arch, jump to sink a crook, and can escape from there. Secret escape route. He nods eagerly. You can rest there. Crooked finger bone. Updated Where am I going to find channel. one of those? He shrugs. I'll see around somewhere. Look at storage rooms on upper floor. Maybe there. Very well. I'll check upstairs for this crooked finger bone, and then head to the first floor to one of the arches in the northwest room. Got it. Alright, so, now we know how to get out. Um, let's have... So we're back in the room that we found the formaldehyde in. Let's briefly have a look at the other... The container is locked. Let's kick it open. How do we... How do we kick it? Hmm. A? Forced it. Open. Ah, there we go. Okay. Um. Among the among the many uh little. Uh oh! I'll need a key. Can I kick? Can I Forced bash it open? It. I don't think I'm supposed to have uh, gone to this room without the key, but that's okay. Cleaning rags and bandages. What's this zombie? An especially ghastly-looking female corpse is missing its ears, nose, and lips. In order to sew her jaw closed, whoever prepared her had to draw the skin especially tight around her mouth. You can still see a line of crooked, yellowed teeth through the open slit that remains. The number 891 has been carved into its the flesh of her brow. All right, we're gonna we're gonna ask Mort. Uh, so, uh, doing anything later? The corpse continues to stare at you. Ah, uh, farewell then. Psst. You see the way she was looking at me, huh? You see that? The way she was following the curve of my occipital bone. What are you talking about? What? Are you blind? She was scouting me out. It was shameless the way she wanted me. I think you're imagining things. She's a zombie, a corpse, a dead person. You probably don't even register to her senses. Yeah, yeah, whatever. When you've been dead as long as I have, you know the signals. They may be too subtle for you to pick up on, but that's why I'll be spending my nights with some luscious recently dead chit while you're standing around going, Oh, what's going on? Where's my memories? Whatever, Mort. Let's go. Okay, so that was a very fun room, and I'm incredibly glad. So, um, this is a PC game, of course. You actually can get it on Switch uh, and PlayStation, I guess. 
but on PC, you can get a ton of mods. PC games always, they love their mods, and one of the mods I have is it uh, makes it so that the bash difficulty of every lock in the game drops to zero, so you can always bash open a locked thing. Which is why I was supposed to get a key, and then I was just able to bash through it anyway. Um... Okay. Uh, we found some embalming fluid, which is a temporary hit point boost and armor class boost. Uh, we have that log page. We have cleaning rags. An ancient copper earring closed. This copper earring looks ancient. Oddly enough, there doesn't appear seem to be a hook or any means of actually attaching it to your ear. A series of strange grooves have been carved on the inside of the earring, however, which might merit a closer examination. Uh... So Let's hit use to examine it. This copper earring looks extremely old. It looks like it was meant to be worn, but there doesn't seem to be a hook or any means of actually attaching it to your ear. There's a series of strange grooves in the inside of the earring, however. Examine the grooves. The grooves are evenly spaced along the inside of the earring. Upon closer examination, they remind you of small fangs. They are for they are definitely man-made, but you can't figure out what they were intended for. Okay. Well, sometimes you get a thing and you don't know what it's all about. Um, let's see, what were we doing? Oh yeah, we are gonna go upstairs. We're gonna go upstairs and get a crooked finger, get a I'm finger gone. crook, and then we can you we can get the finger crook to activate a portal. Let's see, there's some bookshelves. We got a charcoal charm. Um, let's go clockwise. There's another bookshelf. We got a, a unit of junk. Uh-oh. There's some dusties over there. Okay, this room is just zombies. And, oh, that's a skeleton? Skeleton worker and zombie worker. Let's check all these containers. Ooh, a dustman request. Iron pry bar. Uh, container is locked. So let's check on the pry bar. Um, ooh. So I think the pry bar, it, it implies that the pry bar, the pry bar is a club, and it's implying that you get a bonus to bashing stuff open if you have a pry bar equipped, which is interesting. Let's see, the dustman requests, uh, oh wait, the charcoal charm. Uh, gives temporary resistance to fire and magical fire. I like the fire and magical fire are different things in in um in Dungeons and Dragons second edition and first edition. It's a little bit silly, but it sort of makes sense. I mean, like if you want, like if you want demons to sit in a campfire for like style, you make them immune to magical. You make them immune to non-magical fire, but maybe you want them to still be affected by a fireball. So that's magical fire, and they're not immune to magical fire. I don't. I don't know. It's world building. All right, the dustman request. A note written on a scrap of dry parchment. Uh. Contact the necromancer responsible for raising contractual worker forty-two. 
I know he's examined the skeleton before, but I am certain that the initial raising of the body was warped. The worker still responds to commands, but when he has completed the task, it resumes pacing in the same circular pattern as it did before. Dahl recently informed me that Worker 42 exhibited that same walking pattern when it was a zombie decades ago. There may have been a soul echo in the marrow, or the skeleton's age may have caused the magic animating him to decay. One of the initi initiates suggested that it may be following an order issued by a higher ranking dustman in the past, but I have found no records of such an order. Whatever the reason is for its behavior, the matter is to be resolved or the worker replaced. So, we found the undead number 42. Uh, hmm. I guess we didn't see him doing anything weird. But now we know what's up with that 42 being a different number now. The junk is a collection of small springs, broken bolts, and a cracked gear or two. It looks like someone felt these pieces might be useful one day, but they seem pretty useless to you. So, so junk is just a generic item in this game. We, you can use it in a few places, but... Oh. Oh, wait. We didn't bash open the... Let's let's be sure to bash open the... Forced open. it. The, the uh... Ooh, we got some coppers, and we got a little blood. A clot charm. Heals nine hit points and resistance to slashing and piercing attacks. Um, so that's basically a potion. Uh, and the embalming fluids are also basically potions. They have the resistance and... See, the bandages are also basically potions. So we're going to set those up in the quick item slots so that they're a little bit separated off from the normal stuff. Um, I'm going to give some of this excess junk to Mort. Everything that doesn't look super important. We'll just have Mort. So, like, once... The, the, the inventory on the nameless one will be sort of the, the incoming items... Once we've had a look, we'll hand it off to someone else if we can. Alright, we're gonna check the bookshelf here. Ooh, Mortuary Sanctum Key! I'm seeing a dustman woman. I don't want to walk too close to him. Hey, you there! Hold! Oh no! Oh no, they're walking towards me. Uh, let's see what we can do. You there! Hold! Oh crap! Okay, okay. Let's, uh, go... Whew. Okay, let's check these shelves. There's an axe. Or, no, it's a hammer. Alright, whatever. Same same sort of... Zombie worker. Skeleton worker. Um, let's check this shelf. There's a junk. And we got a mortuary task lift. An embalming charm, comma, lesser. The container is locked. Um, Forced it. Hey, a bone charm. All right. That sort of looks like a crooked thing. And keep going clockwise. There's a... Uh-oh. Uh oh, they're all trying to—they're all trying to talk to me. And if I—if I talk to them, 
I'm sure they'll figure out that, like, I'm not supposed to be here. Because, uh, let's... Because I'm, I'm not the cleverest guy right now. I'm like, oh, I'm dead. Can you help me? Let's talk to the skeleton near the forge. The skeleton seems particularly old. The leather straps binding it together, cracked and warm. The word repent has been carefully engraved onto its forehead with some amount of skill. A rougher hand later chiseled 996 into both its temples. Hmm, let's examine. I can I can sort of mock it, or I can examine the skeleton carefully. Somebody is taking care to bind the bones of the skeleton with leather strips woven around the body in such a pattern that they resemble muscles and tendons. The straps are secured to metal bolts punched into the skeleton's joints. This skeleton looks like it has seen a great deal of service. Many of its bones and are chipped, and its numerous fractures are bound with sealant and foul-smelling glues. I'm going to try out, pry out the skeleton's joint bolts. Whoa, Chief, that's vandalism. Those bolts are probably the only thing holding that bag of bones together. Necromancy only goes so far with these old fellows, you know? Oh, I, I didn't want to do any permanent damage. Oh, that's not a problem. Mort does a strange bobbing motion that you think might be a shrug. Just wasn't sure if you knew that or not. By all means, go ahead. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do that another time. Hmm, wonder if this graybeard would mind if I borrowed his body. Uh, graybeard? Graybeard, you know, geezer, old fellow, yellow dog, old? Well, I don't think he's in any position to object. Why not take his body? Mort studies the skeleton for a moment, then shakes his head. Nah, I need a fresher one than this. And something a little more dignity. This one's all creaky and fractured. All right, then, let's go. All right, let's talk to the other skeleton worker. This skeleton, number 748, according to the number chiseled above, its brow is odd, only in that some of its teeth appear to be false ones made of reddish brown stone. They're clearly not valuable, however, as its scare tickers would have otherwise removed them. Um, we can examine the skeleton carefully. Someone has taken care to bind the bones of the skeleton with leather straps. Uh, so this is the same description as before. And I could try to take out the jolt points, same as before, but let's not. We got our... We got what we're looking for. Let's go downstairs. Alright, now that there's no one chasing us... Uh... Bone charm. This old finger bone charm has been hollowed out and tiny symbols have been scratched on its surface. A user might snap it in two to activate it. Hmm. Okay. Strengthens your skeleton. Um, that's cool. Okay, the Mortuary Sanctum key says this heavy key is a strange fusion of bone and an unidentifiable blood-red metal. Its jagged C-shaped head looks like it's ready to clamp down on whoever holds it. This key is used to open the inner gates in the Mortuary. Ah, uh, so maybe I can't use it to leave? And it says, note, when using keys in Torment, you only need to have them in your inventory to unlock a door. In some cases, a key will vanish after it's used. This is done when the key is no longer needed and frees up your inventory slots for other more important items. Okay, so if a key disappears, that's fine. Um...
corpse fly charm. So you eat it, and then you spit out a giant pile of insects, and then you can direct them to attack an item, a target. So it's like a scroll of, uh... A scroll of... Insect swarm, basically. Uh... Dustman Embalming Charm Lesser. The strange metal bracelet has directions inscribed on the side of it. Judging from the crude text, it appears that the bracelet works by being held by a living creature. Then, while pronouncing a mantra to the true death, it is touched to the forehead of a zombie or skeleton. When this is done, the minor enchantment held within the item spreads through the corpse, strengthening their bones, killing traces of corpse rot and or grave mold, and helping seal minor tears in the skin. This item will work on either you or Mort. Simply place it in your quick item slot, then use it from the quick menu on Mort, or have Mort use it on you, in order for it to take effect. Uh, it works like an embalming fluid. Uh, yeah, so it's like an embalming fluid. We can just put it on our little wrist. Or no, we can put it in the quick items. That's what we do. Uh, so... Wait, have we looked at the mortuary task list? Someone has penned a series of tasks in red ink on this scrap of parchment. I would like the contracted workers to be inspected thrice daily at the end of each work shift when the new inmates initiate when the new initiates come on duty. We have experienced too many contracted collapses while engaged in heavy labor as of late, and I fear the embalming enchantments initially used on this corpses may be decaying or may have been warped somehow. If the contracted workers could be inspected every eight hours and raised if they have collapsed, then this would prevent the backlog of shells in the preparation room and free up more contracted workers for other duties. I do not wish collapsed bodies to be disposed of. When possible, the original contracted shells are to be raised and made to resume their duties. I have included spare embalming charms within the shelves for the initiates on duty. They are to be used only when the shells cannot be repaired with stitching, bandaging, or applications of embalming fluid. So, emergency healing thingies. That's cool. Uh, we'll keep the keys in our main inventory, and Mort can slowly fill up his inventory. Um... So we're on the second floor. I guess we can go... Um, third floor. Uh, oh. Oh. Okay. Okay, so remember how we had that thing with Zombie 42? That was a little bit wrong, um, because Zombie 42 is now Skeleton 42. The skeleton turns to face you. 42 has been chiseled into his forehead, and a number of its bones, most of the jaws and the joints, have been bound with leather strips. Okay, so the other... The other misidentified skeleton that I remembered before was, like, a different thing. This is... You, worker 42, who was a skeleton in our vision, or was a zombie in our vision, but it's a skeleton now. Um, let's see. I think this is the corpse I had my memory about. At the sound of your voice, the skeleton suddenly straightens up. It crosses its arms over its chest, and its fingers hook into its ribcage. Ooh, I'm going to cross my arms over my chest. In response, the skeleton drops its arms to its sides. The leather cords securing the skeleton's torso snap, and the ribcage folds outward like a pair of double doors. Well, reach into the ribcage and feel around. To your surprise, your hand vanishes as you reach inside the ribcage. You have a strange feeling it's somewhere else. As you reach inside the ribcage, your hand bumps against an invisible object. It's about the size of a fist and seems to be attached to the skeleton's spine. Take the item out. 
As you pull the item out, the skeleton suddenly disintegrates, and the iron bolts securing its joints clatter to the floor. Whatever this item was, it seems to have been the only thing holding it together. I'll examine it. It looks like an unremarkable lump of iron. You can't imagine why someone would hide it inside the ribcage of a skeleton. Examine the piece of iron. As you place both hands in the lump of iron to examine it, there's a hiss, and the middle evaporates, leaving behind a strange dagger, a handful of coins wrapped in a dirty cloth, and two bloody teardrops. These look like they were inside the lump of iron. Well, take the items and leave. And uh, you can take the skeleton's club. Also, uh, the dustman lady up on the third floor is now trying to talk to us about, hey, you broke my skeleton. And I'm trying to be like, ha ha ha, no, we didn't. Uh, let's see, talk to the zombie in the southern room. Alright, let's go back to the southern room and talk to the zombie there and see about... So in the south room, we got... Uh, two zombies? Hmm. The corpse's meaty head was clearly severed at some point and hastily sewn back on. Several different sets of stitching, all in various states of unraveling, seem to indicate that the head is con constantly being knocked back off and reattaching during the course of its work. The number 79 has been cut into the temple, circumscribed by a fanged circle that appears to have been branded on its forehead. Let's check out that fanged circle. The fanged circle looks like it has was branded on the corpse's forehead long ago, presumably before it died. It might have been a religious icon of some sort, or a rite of passage. You notice that one of the recesses between the inner fangs is a small triangle within it, as if it had some special significance. Hmm. I wonder if the space... Between the fangs matches the grooves on this copper Updated earring I my have. Journal. The corpse makes no reply. It looks like it's far too gone to answer any of your questions. Hmm. Alright, so let's put the copper earring in the Nameless One's inventory. And then talk to this zombie again. Uh... I can see anything interesting going on. It was great talking to you for a while. Leave the corpse entrance. Well. Oh, maybe we can use the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we use the earring a second time. Now we can insert our fingernail into the notch that matches where the triangle is pointed in the fanged circle that we saw on Zombie79's forehead. You hook your fingernail into the third groove from the top and the and press inwards. As you do, there's a click, and the top of the earring snaps open. Not only can you wear the earring now, it also looks like there's a secret compartment inside the earring. Shake the earring, see if anything comes out. Uh, we shake the earring, but nothing comes out. Whatever was hidden in the earring is gone now. Oh, we have a person in the chat. Hello. Put the earring away. Um... So the earring is... Oh, this is, um... Uh... Planescape Torment Enhanced Edition. So I guess the earring is worth more now that we have... Uh... Now that you can open it and wear it, it's worth more to a merchant. So we've upgraded the value of our goofy... Thing. Let's see. Oh, a green steel knife. One to four piercing. Uh, that doesn't appear to be 
better. And rags. Alright. Mort's at 18 pounds out of his 90. Most of the stuff we find in this game is pretty lightweight. Hmm. Let's see. Okay. So we're going to go back to the second floor. And then I think we're done with the second floor. So I'm gone. You know what? The key that we got upstairs... Uh, the Mortuary Sanctum key that we got upstairs in the bookshelves is how we would have opened the door that we had to bash open. Okay, yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> Alright, Mortuary First Floor. Um. Hmm. Let's see, so I'm supposed to go southeast right. of the center room and talk to a zombie. A doddering corpse has had its eyes sewn shut as well as its mouth, and the number 732 is carved into its brow. The threadwork that keeps its ocular cavity sealed looks extremely old. You wonder if the eyes were sewn shut before or after the man's death. You notice he's carrying a huge tome in his hands, as if taking it somewhere. Well, I'm going to take the tome from his hands carefully. You carefully take the tome from the corpse's hands. Um, South asks if I work on Valorn or something else that's rust-related. I work on many... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active in the Rust programming community, but I don't work on Valorin. But um, I do other game dev stuff. Like, I do SDL2 binding stuff, and I do some tutorials where, like, recently I put a tutorial about showing how to open a Win32 window, like, from scratch with no crates. Um, so I do that sort of stuff. Let's see. Carefully take the tome from the corpse's hands. It doesn't seem to notice. The tome appears to be a book of enchantments and wards, it is filled with diagrams and charts detailing various aspects of the necromantic arts. The book itself is extremely heavy, as awkward as the zombie is. It must be extremely zo Oh, as awkward as the zombie is, it must be extremely strong. Read that wrong. Um, well, let's examine the corpse again. Uh, it's just the same message as before. Alright, so we're going to read the Tome of Bone and Ash. This worn leather-bound tome lists diagrams and charts detailing several minor wards and enchantments. There are numerous drawings of skeletons' bones and the manner by which they may be preserved over time. Of particular interest is the section regarding guardians. Apparently, the dust of inanimate corpses of fallen giants serve as guardians for the mortuary. To make them even deadlier, armoring enchantments are woven into their breastplates to help shield them from attacks. The book is much too complex for you to absorb all at once, but it looks as if you could refer to certain sections when the need arises. Interesting! If only a skeleton guardian was right here in front of me. 
before you as a giant skeleton in ornate bronze armor. The armor's been bolted onto the skeleton's frame, and a series of elaborate symbols have been carved across the breastplate. You wonder where the skeleton came from. You wonder where they made humans in this size. The huge blade in its hands looks like it weighs as much as a wagon cart. Hmm. So let's examine the giant skeleton carefully. The skeleton's intricate bronze armor is riveted into its ribcage and shoulder blades with a series of iron bolts. As you study the frame behind the uh, armor, you notice the same iron bolts are set into the skeleton's shoulder, elbow, pelvic, and knee joints. A mass of thick leather cords and heavily knotted ropes run along the length of the skeleton's arms and legs, woven in such a pattern that they resemble muscles and tendons. Um, well, let's have a look at that armor. Despite the armor's obvious age, it looks well cared for. It shines brightly, and its symbols engraved on the breastplate seem to flow in the firelight, shifting slightly whenever you try and focus on them. Study those symbols. Almost unconsciously, you let your gaze relax as you look at the symbols. After a moment, the symbols cease shifting and resolve into a trail of runes that run up and down the breastplate. Strangely enough, the interlocking pattern of runes reminds you of chains. And with that thought, you suddenly recall that these runes are some sort of warding enchantment. Um... Let's see... Let's study the runes and recall the enchantment. You study the runes for a while, but you can't decipher the enchantment. It looks pretty complicated, and you're having a hard time concentrating. Compare the runes to the runes in the Tome of... In the Book of Tome and Ash. You consult the tome and compare the diagrams to the markings on the breastplate. From what you can make out, the runes are a lesser armoring, armoring enchantment, but several skull-shaped runes and spherical tracings along the edges of the armor suggest that several greater necromantic and warding enchantments are woven in as well. Touching the skeleton will most likely cause it to awaken and defend itself. Let's consult the tome to see if they can be broken. From what you can make out from the tome, it seems to be it seems the armoring enchantment applies only to the breastplate. The necromantic enchantment allows the skeleton to be raised, but it is the warding enchantment that gives the skeleton's limited awareness of its surroundings. You'd guess that if you were to mar the skeleton's wards, they would interpret it as an attack, unless you blinded it to your presence first. Uh let's see. So, I can mar the runes, maintaining the armoring enchantment first, and then the necromancy, and then the warding. Or I can mar the warding, and then work backwards through the rune pattern, canceling the necromantic and armoring. So, I think I'm supposed to pick option two. The work is difficult and nerve-wracking at first, but slowly, your mind begins to focus, and the runes begin to unravel beneath your attack. Within minutes, the giant skeleton has been stripped of the enchantments, binding it, it collapses, falling to the floor with a crash of bones, and a heavy clanging of noise. Damned pile of bones! Experience gained 800! You wait for a moment, but no one responds to the sound. Moving quickly, you sift through the skeleton's parts in the floor. Most of it is too heavy or too old to be useful, but you discover a piece of the skeleton's breastplate with a majority of one of the broken enchantments engraved on it. You have a feeling it could prove useful. Well, I'll just take this then. Um, And then there's more skeletons, so let's do that again. Examine, examine, stat, oh, examine, examine, study, 
Study, compare, consult. Uh, option two, damn pile of bones. I'll just take it. I feel stronger. So we have disassembled two skeletons. Here's another skeleton. Uh, three, one, one. Uh, one, one, one. Disfilling the enchantment is easier this time around, and the runes quickly unravel beneath your attack. Within minutes, the giant skeleton has been stripped of the enchantments, binding it. Remembering what happened to the first, you catch the skeleton before it falls, and with a grunt, slowly lower it to the ground. Let's see what we got this time. We quickly rummage through the skeleton's remains, and once again, uncover a piece of the skeleton's breastplate. Ooh, looks like my skills have increased. Alright, so we're getting some levels by disassembling skeletons. Uh... Examine, examine the armor, study the symbols, study the runes, compare the runes, consult the book, and then mar the warding enchantment and so forth. Alright, what do we what do we got? We got two runes of lesser warding. And a rune of greater warding, and a rune of armor. But these are all like wizard spells. So, me and Mort are both not wizards, so we can't use these. We'll just throw them somewhere. I'm just going to throw them in Mort's inventory for a while. We're filling up on the slots. Like, the, the weight isn't too bad, but the slots are getting heavy. Um. Oh. Oh, hey, it's Ghost Lady. It says, Deonaria. I'm going to... Do I talk? I can't... I guess I'm going to just talk to her. I thought that I could maybe somehow do something useful before I talk to her, but that's fine. Let's see. You see a strikingly beautiful ghostly form before you. Her arms are crossed and her eyes are closed. She has long flowing hair and her gown seems stirred by some ethereal breeze. As you watch, she stirs slightly, and her eyes flicker. Hmm... I'm going to... Wait. You! What is it that brings you here? Have you come to see firsthand the misery you have wrought? Perhaps in death I still hold some shred of use for you. My love. Her eyes slowly open, and she blinks in confusion for a moment, as if uncertain where she is. She looks around slowly, she sees you. Her tranquil face suddenly twists into a snarl. And then the voice of Jennifer Hale, the lovely Jennifer Hale, says, You! What is it that brings you here? Have you come to see firsthand the misery you have wrought? Perhaps in death I still hold some shred of use for you? Her voice drops to a hiss. <laughs> My love. My love, do I know you? The spirit makes a begging motion with her hands. How can it be that the thieves of the mine continue to steal my name from your memory? Do you not remember me, my love? The ghost stretches out her arms. Think. The voice becomes desperate again. The name Dionara must evoke some memory within you. No, I'm sorry. My memories are lost to me. Then it is as I feared. I am truly lost to you. 
and what was once an inconvenience for you, you now have the excuse to discard me as you have my memory. Inconvenience? Discard you? I do not know you, spirit. My memories are no more. Tell me, who are you? What do you know of me? You are one both blessed and cursed, my love, and you are one who is never far from my thoughts and heart. Blessed and cursed? What do you mean? The nature of your curse should be apparent, my love. Look at you. She points at you. Death rejects you. Your memories have abandoned you. Do you still not pause and wonder why? I'm still trying to get my bearings, sadly. What else can you tell me about myself? I know that you once claimed you loved me, and that you would love me until death claimed us both. I believed that, never knowing the truth of who you were, what you were. And what am I? You... I... cannot... She suddenly freezes, and she speaks slowly, carefully, as if her voice frightens her. The truth is this. You are one who dies many deaths. These deaths have given the knowing of all things mortal, and in your hand lies the spark of life. And death. Those that die near you carry a trace of themselves that you can bring forth. As Dianaris speaks the words, a crawling sensation wells up in the back of your skull. You suddenly feel compelled to look at your hands. As you lift it and look at it, you can see the blood coursing sluggishly through your arms, pouring into your muscles, and in turn giving strength, giving strength to your bones. Updated my journal. Uh, and you know Dianaria is right. You suddenly remember how to coax the dimmest spark of life from a body and bring it forth. The thought of that both horrifies and intrigues you. Note, you have remembered how to raise others from the dead. Do access abilities, select special abilities in the quick menu. You can only use this on party members that have died in your presence. It will not work on anyone who does not travel with you, and it will not work on party members you remove from the party while they are dead. Side note, I don't think that we'll be using that too much, because as I recall, if someone dies and you bring them back with that ability, they, like, lose experience or something. So, like, we don't want that. I, I, I had other questions. What is it you wish to know? Uh, can you tell me who I am? You are both blessed and cursed, my love. And you are one who is never far from my thoughts and heart. I had some other questions. So we know... Uh, who are you? We know. Can you tell me who I am? She doesn't really tell us. Can you tell me where I am? Well, we know we're in the mortuary, but let's ask her, and then maybe she'll have an interesting perspective. Where are you? Why, you are here with me, my love. As in the times when life was something both of us shared... Now it is the eternal boundary that separates us. Eternal boundary? Dianara sounds saddened. It is a barrier I fear you shall never cross, my love. It is the barrier between your life and what remains of mine. I see. Perhaps you could answer some other questions. Uh, I could ask her about getting escape help, but uh, nothing now, Dianara. I shall return. Farewell. Hold a moment. 
I learned much when I traveled with you, my love, and what you have lost, I have retained. I have not divulged all that I know to you. My sight is clear, whilst you fumble in the darkness for a spark of thought. Uh... And what is it your sight sees that I do not? Time itself relaxes its hold as the chill of oblivion slowly claims us, my love. Glimpses of things yet to come swarm across my vision. I see you, my love. I see you as you are now, and... Dayanara grows quiet. What is it? What do you see? I see what lies ahead for you. It ripples through the plains, stemming outward from this point. Shall I speak of what I see? Hmm. I'm going to say tell me. First, I require a promise. Promise you will return. That you will find some means to save me or join me. Ooh. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of options here. I can make a vow. I can lie. I can say that I will do what I can. I'll make no such promise, Spectre. I find it hard to believe that a woman I once loved would blackmail promises from me with the promise of revelations. Have you no faith in me, Dianara? I'm going to pick that one. Dianara looks taken aback. Then her tone changes, her voice becoming almost pleading. I... I do not mean to extract a vow from you, my love. It is just that I have waited for so long for you to join me beyond the... If you do not mean to extract a vow from me, Dianara, then do not do so. Now tell your vision, and we will speak no more of vows and promises. Dianara stiffens. She looks as if she is about to say something, then sighs in defeat. Very well, my love. As before, I shall have to place my trust in you. She this closes her eyes. This is what I see, my love. Unfettered by the shackles of time. I don't know if that picked up properly in the audio, so I'm going to also read it. This is what my eyes see, my love. Unfettered in the shackles of time. Oh, by the shackles of time. You shall meet enemies three, but none more. For full glory. They are shades of evil, of good, and of neutrality. Given life and twisted by the laws of the plains. You shall meet enemies three, but none more dangerous than yourself in your full glory. They are shades of evil, of good, and neutrality, given life, and twisted by the laws of the plains. Let's see. Having played this game, can I tell what she's talking about? I think I know what she's talking about, but as with all prophecies, it's like kind of vague. Okay. You shall come to a prison built of regrets and sorrow, where the shadows themselves have gone mad. There you will be asked to make a terrible sacrifice, my love. For the matter to be laid to rest, you must destroy that which keeps you alive and be immortal no longer. Okay. You shall come to a prison built of regret and sorrow, where the shadows themselves have gone mad. There you will be asked to make a terrible sacrifice, my love. For the matter to be laid to rest, you must destroy that which keeps you alive and be immortal no longer. Interesting quest. you must die while you still can. The circle must come to a close, my love. You are not meant for this life. You must find that which was taken from you and travel beyond into the lands of the dead. 
Uh, when I said interesting quest, sorry. What I meant was, my character says, destroy what keeps me alive. Diana responds, I know that you must die while you still can. The circle must come to a close, my love. You were not meant for this life. You must find that which was taken from you and travel beyond. Into the lands of the dead. Die while Updated I still can. Journal. I do not doubt your ability to rise from the dead. I do not believe that every incarnation... I do believe... Sorry. I do not doubt your ability to rise from the dead. I do believe that every incarnation weakens your thoughts and memories. You claim you have lost your memory. Perhaps it is a side effect of countless deaths? If so, what more will you lose on successive deaths? If you lose your mind, you will not even know enough to realize that you cannot die. You shall truly be doomed. Countless deaths? How long has this been going on? I do not truly know, except that it has gone on long enough. Hmm. I'm gonna go, I had some other questions just to see if there's new top top level options. All right, nothing now, Dayanara. I, I shall return. I shall wait for you in death's halls, my love. I shall wait for you in death's halls, my love. She smiles, but there's only sadness on it. She closes her eyes, and with an ethereal whisper, she fades. Are you back with me, Chief? You kind of drifted out on me there. No, I'm fine. Do you know who that spirit was? Eh? Spirit? That specter I was talking to, the woman. You were rattling your bone box with some woman? Where? Mort looks around excited. What did she look like? She was right on top of the beer. Didn't you see her? <laughs> no. He just kind of drifted out for a bit there. Just stood there, statue-like. I was a little worried you'd gone addled on me again. No, I'm fine, I think. Let's move on. So if that was too subtle, uh, Mort cannot see Dionara. Only I can see Dionara. Um... Oh, crap. I, I walked into... I'm, I'm looking around... For where this, uh, for where I can activate the portal, uh, let's use J for journal. Uh, day zero. Ah, Vaxis, day zero hour now. Vax told me there's a secret portal in the northwest room of the first floor in the mortuary. If you take a crooked finger bone up to it, it will activate and take me to a secret crypt. There, Vax says I can rest. He doesn't know where I could find a crooked finger bone. Okay, northwest room. So, uh. I'm gonna. pretend that I. Haven't been to the north. I mean, northwest is where Dianara was. So if we just go up to the edge. Let's see. I have a bone charm. Oh, there we go. It's kind of a warpy warp. Oh, and then there's like a cutscene where a bunch of like shadows appear over the slab where I woke up. Um. The cutscene is noticeably low res, uh, but that's okay. Like the original version of this was intended for like 800 by 600 resolution or whatever. All right, so we're in a room. It's small. I'm gone. There's money on the ground. 
It says Pen's Note. We got 10 coins and Pen's Note. This note has been written with remarkable penmanship upon the finest parchment. Vaxis. If you are reading this, then you have undoubtedly failed in your task and have been forced to use the escape route I arranged. I told you that your little disguise idea was ridiculous. In any case, you'll need to lay low for a while. The dustmen may be deluded, but they are not fools, and they will certainly seek retribution for our intrusion. I've left you some coins. Use them to secure a hiding place in the hive, preferably in Ragpicker Square. The dustmen will be unwilling to look for you there. Once you have secured a new hiding place, I have a new mission for you. Find out where Farod is getting those bodies he's delivering to the mortuary. It's apparently causing the dustmen a great deal of upset, and I wouldn't mind knowing myself. Reports are that the stone-faced dustmen at the Gesting Dust Bar, Initiate Emmerich, I think the fool's name is, has been sending out finders to try and mark Farod's movements. See if you can find out how far along he is and hinder his efforts until we know more about Farod's activities. I don't want Emmerich finding out something before we do. So, if we go to the Gathering Dust Bar, we can talk to Initiate Emmerich. And, uh, I don't, I don't, let's see. The sarcophagus appears to have been here for centuries. There's no lid. The exterior seems to be made of solid stone. This brazier has long since run dry of oil. Only ashes. Uh, and then there's one room out of, one doorway out of this room. Let's go outside. Okay. So, we're getting a cutscene. Uh, it says Sigil in the lower, uh, left corner. And Sigil is... Uh, we can see the city curving up and away in front of us. Achievement unlocked mortuary gate. So <laughs> I guess that counts as leaving. We, we, the The scene is for you leaving the mortuary gate. But actually, oh my gosh. Pushing M to look at the map gives us a very, very nice transition. Like it zooms out. It's not, it's not a flip between the two modes. It's like a zoom out, zoom in. I like it. Um... We've been going for an hour and a half. I will probably play more of this game later today if I'm feeling up to it, but uh, it's a long time to be talking, and so I'm going to take a break for now. Um, I guess we're going to explore... If I look at the map, it looks like the Gathering Dust Bar... So we haven't exited from the mortuary. We've exited from the open tomb, a little south of the mortuary. And right across the road is that gathering dust bar. So we'll check out that. Other locations are southeastern portion of the hive. The alley of dangerous angles. Northwestern portion of the hive. Uh, Dustman Monument, Mausoleum, Shilandra's Kip, and Angyar's House. So there's a number of uh, interesting places just right here. Um, anything else that I want to say? Nope, I think that's it. Uh, let's save the game. Uh, let's do new save. Please enter a save game title. Uh, game, game one. Save. All right, there. All right. And um, see, see y'all folks some sometime.